This is the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast for May 8th, 2021. I'm Hank. We all have done this. If, you, if you're a beekeeper or if you've been going online and looking at swarming, swarming behavior of honeybees, you will see all kinds of clips of people catching swarms. I did it my first year of beekeeping, thinking it was the thing to do. Now, when I did it, I uh, had to cut, and it's on wildflowerbeefarm.com, you'll find in, in the old history, you'll find a sort of grainy video of me cutting a branch to try to get this uh, swarm into a hive, to catch this hive. So I did all the research like they tell you to do, and I, I cut the branch, and I shook it off. Uh, the bees pretty much fell into the hive but then when I came back they had gone back and clustered because obviously we didn't get the queen so I did it again they fell into the hive that I thought would be a great home for them I put a lid on it thinking this there you go I've got it and with two within two days the bees had moved to a top bar hive about 20 feet away that was empty waiting for a swarm and so they moved on their own they moved the honey that I had put in the other hive back over to where they chose to live so when you look at honeybee swarming behavior, just to backtrack a little bit, it's a way that the bees reproduce their community or reproduce a hive. And probably the most interesting book on how this happens is a book by Thomas D. Seeley, and I talked about him last time in a different concept. It's called Honeybee Democracy, of what happens when honeybees swarm, what makes them swarm, and then how do they go about making the decision to move to a certain home versus another. So it's a very natural process uh, when they swarm. They then uh, look for, um, you know, uh, scouts go out and they look for different opportunities, and then the bees vote, and then they all decide to go to that home. Now, Dr. Seeley also says that generally bees will look for a home a mile away from where they um, were living. The bees require that distance. That's, that's normal, according to Dr. Seeley. And I, I think he's wrong, and here's why. I'll go through this in a minute. But the conventional beekeeping idea is that when you see a swarm, you get a white cloth or some type of large canvas beneath the swarm, if you're able, and then you shake the swarm into a container. Usually it's some type of... Uh, a Langstroth version. It could be a nuke with uh, some frames that have drawn out comb so it's easier for the bees to move in. And if you get the queen inside of that box and put a lid on it, the other bees follow through and then you have a, you've caught uh, a hive. You've increased uh, your apiary by one beehive. When you read the book by Dr. Seeley, Honeybee Democracy, though, you you realize that by doing that activity of catching a swarm, you're depriving the bees of the usual process of deciding where to live. So that's the first issue. It's not natural. You're catching them. You're, you're holding them captive, basically. Because when a, when a bee colony decides to swarm, the bees contain, you know, they get as much honey as they can, and that's all they have to live on for a while, a day or so, until they find a home. So... Should you shake a hive, of a swarmed hive, into a box, they really don't have a lot of options because if they choose to move um, and, and re-swarm and cluster and all of that, they'll probably not survive. Uh, in my example, they didn't really have to go far because the hive was right around the corner, plus there was honey stores in the one that I shook them into.
So it, it's really an unnatural process. And when we often look for cause and effect, you know, people will say, well, mites cause the destruction of bees, or this cause, it, it, it's not linear. It's not one thing causing something else. So my question to you is, is, is the process of catching a hive uh, unnatural, and is it going to harm the bees? So just, just to explain what happened. So in this week's video blog, you'll see sort of a chronology of a story about how we had a log hive swarm this past week and how it ended. And, and here's kind of our philosophy. After reading Seeley's book, I don't think catching a swarm is right for what I want to do. Now, if you want to catch them, great. But my goal is to help them and give them as much of a natural experience by still protecting them from what we humans do to mess them up, basically. And so around the farm, we have some 12 to 13 um, hives that are empty, waiting for swarms to perhaps choose them. We have four log hives that are hollowed out logs attached to trees that we put in late last year. So we missed the swarming season last year. One hive did swarm in, and that's the one that, again, reswarmed early this year. Uh, and the rest are uh, Langstroth hives that are in different positions around the farm. So when the log hive uh, swarmed uh, this past week, the idea wasn't to cut down a tree or shake them into a box. It was just to watch them and see what they would do. And to make a long story short, the log hive swarmed and thinking probably twice, and they chose to live about 100 feet, and the other one is probably 130 feet from their original hive. They didn't travel a mile or two. They didn't choose, um, you know, hives that were far away or crevices or trees. or. Now, there's many arguments for why that's the case. Some would argue, perhaps, that there's not a lot available. You know, we've cut down trees in, in Ontario, and there's not a lot of you know, old trees that have caverns or cavities in them. There, there are no real places for bees to go. I guess you can make that argument. But my argument would be that bees have brains, as, as you know, and they know and they understand the micro and macro habitats that are best for them. They make that decision. So the hives that swarmed one chose to go into an empty log hive, and one chose to go into a Langstroth hive. Now, the Langstroth hive has drawn-out frames, so there, it, there's wax, so it's easier for them to deposit honey and the queen can start laying. Whereas the log hive is just an empty cavern in a log that was built last year. And so there's, there's two sort of extremes, but for whatever reason, they voted, according to Seeley, they, they had a democracy, they had a vote, and one hive chose to go to the one spot and another the other. Now, yesterday on a walk, we noticed that there were scouts in all the other empty homes that we had on the property. Some more than others, but there were scouts working and checking and walking around and making sure that, you know, they had enough information to do an educated vote, as you would say, when they swarm. Because we expect 25 or more of our hives to swarm shortly. The... The good news is that when the, when the log hive was swarming, I was kind of thinking, I don't really care where they go because that's their choice. If they, if they stick around, great. If not, they found a better place. Now, I don't know where a better place could be, uh, 
Because let me explain the habitat right now. There's probably about three or four acres of voluntary canola blooming on the farm. So voluntary canola simply means that when the farmer farmed the field a few years ago was the last time and put fertilizer or whatever on the farm. He also planted some clover as a sort of a crop before he was going to plow it down. Someone had used the same spreader for canola for some reason. And anyway, the seeds are, showed up on the farm. We've never planted canola here. So the clover basically took out the canola, but there's a section that we left for the wildflowers that uh, one section of wildflowers that now has a lot of canola and it's blooming and the bees if you walk in that area the bees it's, you think you're in the middle of a swarm because it's just full of bees we know from the science that canola pollen is probably one of the best pollens for bees according to the science that talks about the protein and all the other important minerals and ingredients that bees need to survive apparently they've done studies where bees around canola fields have a higher winter survival rate than bees who don't have access to those fields. So there's canola. There's also on the um, microhabitat, the hives are built, the, the, the log hive is built properly so that the, you know, the entrance is facing the south, it's up off the ground. The Langstroth hive, however, is just a typical standalone Langstroth in the middle of a bit of a tree grove. Where the, where the bees chose to go live. The bees are also aware that clover is about to happen. Some clover is also already blooming. Um, Balanza clover started to bloom. And next will be yellow sweet and white sweet clovers. So, so the bees, I think, get it. And then, of course, in the fall, we have a huge goldenrod and, and just all kinds of other wildflowers, little asters that will be blooming. Um, close, closeness to water, so there's two ponds. Uh, there's a lot of, actually there's three ponds within the city, two on our property, one on the adjacent property. Um, and protection, there's no spray being used on our property at all. So I think the bees stuck around because they knew. So I think the idea that, you know, bees in the, in the Sealy research, bees only swarm and, and go to a mile away is because it takes that much land to find them enough food to survive. And that makes sense. So you could argue that while your farm is artificial, that you've got, you know, 30 acres of purposeful land for bees, whether that be the clover or the wildflowers or the, uh, and then of course the 20 acres of bush or whatever that provides them with all kinds of other wildflowers, dandelions are everywhere and so on. But anyone could create a small version of this, whether it be five acres or two acres, probably on one acre you could have one hive. And I think it's all about the habitat, the micro that we can create with the hives that we put up and where we put them. But the macro habitat appears to be more and more important to be survival. So, so that's what happened with the swarms. I think swarms will go wherever they feel they have a best chance of surviving, which makes sense, just common sense. I don't think there's a mile rule or a, you know, so many feet from the hive rule or anything like that. Um, what is encouraging is the science that tells us that if your hives are spread apart, you have a better chance of survival. So rather than putting, you know, five to ten of them all together, uh, it's important to spread them out. And we're going to be hopefully spreading out the remainder. We did a bit of research, and of course all our hives but one survived the winter. We had two hives not make it after the hop guard treatment. And I've, I've done some more digging 
And there appears to be more and more uh, reports of that. Now, you could argue that the hives came out of the winter week, but that wasn't the case when I put the hop guard on. So I think probably I didn't smoke it enough, and so some of the liquid dripped down on a queen and, and killed that queen or made her uh, to a point where she wasn't able to survive. And that's very unfortunate. So it's really making us think about our July help with the bees and the varroa mites, what, what we're going to do, whether we use formic acid or thymol, probably thymol, thymol which is you know, probably the less intrusive and there's no liquid and it's, um, it's based on the thyme plant. So we'll see what happens there. So just to close off on swarms, do you think swarms, uh, catching swarms, artificially, you know, shaking them out of a tree, putting them, capturing them, is hurting them, helping them, or really makes no difference? Would love to hear what you think about it. At, at this farm, we're no longer going to be catching swarms. We're simply going to be putting out um, places for them to live. If they choose to stay, that's fantastic. If they choose to leave, good on them. They found a better place. I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. Remember, you can go to wildflowerbeefarm.com to have a look at all our video blogs, including this past week where I tell the story, video story of our hive experience. Um, you can also go to honeybeelessonplans.com to provide lesson plans that go with some of the videos. Or you can go to our class at teachable.com where you can take my class on helping bees in your home and community. Again, I'm Hank. You have a great week. Talk next time.